0: Welcome to Even Like This, a podcast series where Beats Meet Brands. Jan Pavelchuk
1: and Ananda Nilva. We are proud to be our curious explorers on the another side of sound production and
0: advertising. Each new episode stars another legend in modern advertising industry who kindly shares insights, imagination and inspiration. Without further interruptions, we feel stuck to start our series of chats with the power behind Ogilvy Namibia, its managing director and shareholder, Rosanne von der Merwe, vibing on how cultural integrity echoes through advertising sounds.
2: It is our job as advertisers to try and push the limit and to take from what's happening in the rest of the world and to apply it and make sure it works for our audiences.
0: So yeah, it's a great pleasure to greet you again. And my co-host, Alina Danilova, hey. is also here today to help me uh, to help me to go through it because today we got an incredibly interesting topic, starting our series of podcasts. And I'm extremely honored to greet you, Razan. today is our very first guest. <laughs> I'm really excited because it's absolutely a great new experience for us. It's a brand new experience for me. And I'm really thankful for you that you decided to join us this morning.
2: Thank you so much for inviting me, first of all. So yeah, I actually feel completely honored to to be on your show. Like even if you're in a position where you need to lead a, a business or manage a company, you don't always, you know, get the opportunities because we're so busy. But on the other hand, it also doesn't come easy, right? Even if I need to stand in front of my office and... You know discuss strategies and work on concepts it's very different when you put on a spot like this so i'm also i'm also um, a a bit nervous but i'll be okay (laughs) don't worry i've got strong coffee i've got very strong coffee um that i'm uh, a whole liter of coffee that i'm gonna drink while we're chatting so
0: uh, yeah sipping coffee is legal as far as i know i've already had two (laughs) this morning
2: and i've already had three Hey, Team coffee! And i am at a Red Bull, so that's not good. I'm, I'm really bad. Okay. I'm a okay complete okay. addict. <laughs> coffee
0: is one of the ultimate drivers of our industry, I believe. <laughs> so, as far as I know, according to my information, you've been working in Ogilvy, Namibia for almost 20 years, if I'm not mistaken, since you started as an intern back in 2004. Am I correct?
2: Yes, that's, you know, you're 100% correct. I always loved the the Ogilvy brand. My mother worked for um, SAB uh, Breweries, which is a big brewery company in, in Africa. They were very recently bought over by AB Inbev, which is an American company. Um, so mm-hmm. at that stage, my mother worked for, the was a client and... Um, she, she managed to pull a few strings with Annie McDon, who's today my business partner, and asked her if I could please get an internship with Ogilvy during my holidays. And, you know, back then, I would turn up and I would work full day doing research and all the jobs that they give to interns. And that's when I had my first experience with the business and I never planned on coming back to Namibia, to be very honest. Um, I lived in the UK for two years where I also met my husband um, in London. And then I was, because of visa regulations and stuff, I had to come back to South Africa. And I actually wanted to stay to find a job in Cape Town, but it just didn't Work out like that. And then the universe called me back to Namibia. And at that stage, Annie was looking for an account executive. And I applied and I got the job. Mm -hmm. So I fought for the job because the managing director back then felt I lacked experience. And I just said, listen, I will do whatever you need, whatever I need to do, I will do it. I will go the extra mile. You don't need to pay me a lot of money, but I would just love to work for
0: Ogilvy. That was one of my goals that's impressive wholesome guide of how to become one of the key figures in marketing world across africa
1: i have just a small question you've said that it was important to you to work for Ogilvy, and why because you've seen in the company some values that uh, was matching
2: with you you know when we when we go to university or advertising school david ogilvy has always been he was the founder of modern advertising
0: no doubt so yeah.
2: we always you know, used him in case studies and we would always refer back to to his philosophies and his strategies and um, you know, the twin peak philosophy of developing campaigns that not only, you know, is beautiful and creative, but it is efficient. So there were certain rules that he taught us and the books we read about him, we we saw him as this you know, leader. We, he aspired us to do better things, to, to make brands matter. Yeah. Now that I'm in this position, I promise you the culture of Ogilvy is so strong internationally that you will be able to speak to someone from the New York office. And if you speak to someone in Africa, we speak the same way. And that's just how strong the culture in our business is. And to be very honest, to have the the Ogilvy name on my resume was Definitely something that that for me, and, and Jan, you mentioned that in 2004, I did my internship. So I added that to my resume when I moved to England. And um, my first job in the UK was a company called Blick. Um, it was mobile advertising. And the first thing my boss at that stage asked me is, oh, I see you worked for Ogilvy. I said, yes, it was only <laughs> for three weeks, you know, so... <laughs> and she didn't know exactly what I did, so I said yes. And she said, "When can you start?" Wow, quite impressive, yeah. So it's such a proud feeling to work for a company that's so well established and so internationally awarded. So for me, the network and the name
0: was definitely also something that I am inspired towards. You told us about the corporate culture and the vision of uh, you know of advertising world. Could you? Call it the Western vision of advertising. Could your work in Ogilvy be about transposing the Western vision of advertising to Namibia, or could it be something more than just uh, you know no, re-editing or rewriting the common senses which, were, which are created in the Western world? in order to create something new or to imply some new senses, yeah.
2: In Africa, for us, it's so, so crucial that people understand that Africa, we've got, we are so rich of cultures and so rich of languages. And it is so important that we have our own voice, right? Yeah. So it is crucial as a, as an industry for us to make sure that that the rest of the world understands that Africa is moving forward. We definitely have more of a conservative audience and landscape that we work with, Mm -hmm. but it is our job as advertisers to try and push the limit and to take from what's happening in the rest of the world and to apply it and make sure it works for our audiences. What I can tell you is like just in Namibia alone, we've got 13 ethnic groups, 13 different languages. So, just a small little country. Look, we we have a total of 2.8 million people. 2.8 million in the whole country. I think we're the 39th biggest country in the world, space-wise. So they've worked out it's about three inhabitants per square kilometer. All right. That's the, the amount of space we have available, right? It's amazing. Just, yeah, quite impressive. Exactly. You will be able to get off in the space and you won't see people for for years if you really want to. Yeah. So this is just in Namibia. And Africans are also a bit, you know, they, they don't trust very very often. So we it, we are forced yeah. to take from what's happening internationally. But we have to make sure that it works for our specific ethnic groups, you know. So I've actually made a note here. So 50% of Namibia's population, for example, speaks one language, Ushibambu. So if we, for example, develop audio logo or a jingle, it is important that we we try and take nuances from that specific culture or ethnic group and try and apply it if it's a product or a service that we need to develop for the client. Yeah. Something else that we also need to take into consideration is to respect the cultures and authenticity of the groups. Like I mentioned, Namibia's landscape is still very conservative. So as advertisers, we need to ensure we don't offend Specific cultures, yeah. I think we cannot just take something from different places and and think that it's going to work for our people. It's it's not going to work. So, but it's nice. I think it's great that we can actually do that. That we can adjust.
0: I remember myself, during my research about Namibian culture and Namibia as a country, as a region, as Southwest Africa as well, I remember myself uh, having seen some road signs in Namibia, and they were written in all four languages at the same time, it included English, Africans, German and Oshiwambo, and it's not the limit like it's only the top of this iceberg.
2: Exactly and you know thinking about it I've traveled quite a bit and um, a lot of the other countries are not that accommodating when it comes to translating and making sure because it's not only the people that needs to find their way you know it's also for tourism and things it's so crucial that we accommodate and I think that's one thing about Africa the you know, welcoming anyone that wants to experience a beautiful landscape and the people and the cultures and sound and, you know, dance and whatever the case may be. So yeah. we definitely try and do that. And we also apply that to our campaigns. Look, most people in, in the country speaks Afrikaans and English. So I'm my my first language is Afrikaans, which is very similar to Dutch. But other than that is we need to develop an educational campaign <laughs> where we need to, you know, educate and inform and sensitize our audiences, we, we translate it easily to six different languages Wow, on radio, print, you know, social media. We have to because otherwise your message will just not, never reach that specific audience.
1: Yeah. And is there some differences between uh, like targeting to the audience in one language or on another, or you're just
2: translating the, the whole message to different languages? Sometimes you also need to look at it from a visual point of view. If we have a concept and we need to translate it to an Oshiwambo audience, and visually we, we need it to work on, on, on social media, for example, we have to show Oshiwambo people. Yeah. And, and when we speak to people from the South, which is more damara nama, we have to make sure that it's relevant to that market. So it can become quite expensive. But again, it depends on on the objective and on the target audiences. But we've worked with some of our government clients where we have to do a national rollout and we need to look at, you know, featuring people uh, specific to that audience or the different regions. So... Yeah, otherwise it's just not relevant. You can't see yourself in it. So it just doesn't work.
1: Yeah, I, I totally understand. And uh, the the whole thing you said reminded me of the the strange thing that happened to the post-USSR countries in the 90s. Then the USSR felt and there was a huge like number of territories like Kazakhstan and Uzbekistan and American advertising companies, they started to, to go to that market and they were trying to implement the approaches from the like American point of view to, to the people who just completely didn't understand what
2: was that about. And that looked uh, incredibly strange. But you know what? A few years ago, we had to do a photo shoot for a beer brand called Eagle Lager. It formed part of the Aiden InBev group. And it was made from Mahangu, which is almost like corn that you make cereal with or porridge with, right? But they use that specific product. I think Mahangu is grown in India, in Africa, there's a few countries, but they use the Mahangu to produce the beer. And um, we sent a team up there to do a national photo shoot to launch the brand. And we had to take our media buyer at that stage, who was Oshibambu, with, because she just said, listen, if you're going to send in a few people with cameras, this is just the facts. They don't see a lot of white people up in the north. They will be afraid. They don't interact with people from other cultures. They just don't. And it was interesting. We had to, when we wanted to approach a specific person to have a chat with him, Poppy had to get out of the car and, you know, just sensitize him and said, we're not here to to harm you. We are from this company. This is what we want to do. We would love to feature you in a campaign. And then only, yeah. you know, we were able to, to kind of move in. And we live in the same country. I understand, yes. So it's so important to understand those cultural, you know, nuances and things that you have to, like I said, the the, the respecting and is important. Otherwise, you're not going to, you won't be able to engage or to build on the specific campaign.
1: Yeah, so speaking about campaigns, do you work with the radio content especially uh, Is it a big part of the campaigns uh, usually?
2: Definitely. And, you know, there's a lot of people that lives remotely, off the grid. When we were there, I think in the whole village, there was one satellite for TV. Yeah. And they have radio. So definitely radio is still very much a big thing. It's definitely one of those mediums in Africa specifically that people love to listen to the radio. They
0: see it as entertainment. So radio is definitely still a big platform in our country. So mostly it's not about just like cultural integrity or or cultural unity. Uh, Sometimes it's more about cultural isolation.
2: So I would definitely, I've got a very good friend who's the CEO of a biggest um, radio media house in Namibia. They are called Future Media. And um, Gary, you know, of course, he always he pushes radio, <laughs> and, I always, and I always say, you know, and in at the moment for us, um, and post COVID, I personally think, you know, I still would love times to to, to relook these strategies because so much has changed after COVID, and with the economy that's not doing too well, and inflation and prices, I still believe that you have to make sure that your brand is you know, you've got a strong communication plan or brand strategy or whatever your, your your objectives would be, you have to have a plan, right? Yeah. If you don't have a plan, then you can't move anywhere, you can't go anywhere. But after the plan, we've found that there's a combination of three platforms that has really worked well for a lot of, not a recipe, and you know, we, we keep on evolving, but radio, digital, and activations. So, Interacting on the ground with people; those three things has really worked very well for a lot of brands in Namibia. So, believe it or not, we still print flyers in Africa. It's it's the, so romantic. It's still <laughs> the I'm with <thing. laughs> you. When yeah. clients ask us to print ten thousand flyers, we always say it's, it's going to go to waste. Let's try and can't we do half of it? And so people still like to, you know to have something physical in their hands, believe it or not. So those three mediums has really um, worked quite well for the audiences in Namibia. I would like to do more on radio, but radio at this stage is more of a support, right? We have been relying a lot on digital and social media just because it, it from a budget point of view, it makes sense for our customers. But we do have really great recording studios in the country and it's still you know it's still affordable it's affordable to to record it's affordable to get good quality content produced in country one thing that i do think we're lacking is a voice library or voices in general because that's something that i think is needs to to improve because there's nothing worse than hearing a radio ad or one voice being featured in four different radio adverts for four different brands that is bad
0: could that be an issue of professional education in case of training professional voiceover artists or voiceover talents
2: it could either be that or it's just we're not making a big enough effort to reach out to people that can earn extra money you know or just that can actually be trained to 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 form part of a of a of a business where we can get access to those voices So there's definitely a lack of voices in general. Um, There's always the same voices that you hear on the radio.
0: It's not a common case when you talk about a country and say, well, we don't have TV as our primary number one means of communication. That's pretty unusual. It's not really culture that plays a vital role in building strategy, but also your historical environment, your historical backgrounds. So in order to get closer to our today's topic about sound, how would you describe the Namibian cultural background so far if we're talking not just really about music or about... In general. Yeah, just like in general. We've covered some things about like uh, language diversity. Again, during my uh, small research about Namibia, I've discovered many interesting facts about Namibian self-recognition culturally shortly after the uh, times of the apartheid. And I found it extremely similar to the post-Soviet era in 1990s. I was eager to hear your vision of your understanding of cultural integrity of Namibia as well, yeah.
2: Okay. Uh, Before we go to that, I just want to add, you know, one thing that radio is still such a trusted channel in this country, right? People trust the radio stations.
0: Well, that's the point, yeah.
2: 100%. And because our content, um, local content for TV channels is, I personally feel not, we're not there yet. I think the radio station is really um, innovated across board um, themselves when it comes to quality content and coverage. And that's why we also as advertisers tend to kind of swift back or move back to digital because we we can control it right it's not too expensive for us to produce videos or develop content for digital and social media where it is expensive to produce a tv advert so in general you've got a handful of brands that that produces tv ads in this country because clients are just not used to spending so much money on tv even though we fully agree that it's a fantastic platform and visually it tells stories and You know, you feel it and all of that. Radio is still, um, you know, one of the most trusted channels in this country. And and people look up to DJs, to radio DJs. You know, they're almost seen as as influencers and leaders of specific things. I promise you that, you know, if this specific guy said on radio that they must be there and this is going to happen and you must believe this, it's like church. People really believe (laughs) the radio. So, yeah, it's still, it's interesting that, you know, that still happened.
0: Speaking of DJs and musicians, I have to admit that the Namibian music pop scene and music scene in general is very distinctive and very authentic.
2: Do You like it. I
0: do like it. I do like it. My,
2: <laughs> he was really impressed.
0: <laughs> yes. I listened to Mega, I listened really? to other <laughs> Namibian artists and uh, I was pretty impressed by how you makes. Uh, all the distinctive features of absolutely different style of music, and you blend it in absolutely crazy mixture of different cultures, and it sounds so distinctive. And I, I just, I just couldn't help myself. It sounds really good. It's nice to hear it from someone from the outside because we still feel that it needs work. Like
2: we sometimes feel it's not distinctive if enough. Because remember, we compare ourselves to South Africa, we compare ourselves to. You know, maybe Kenya or Nigeria or, you know, some of the other African countries. But I think we are getting there. We've got fantastic up-and-coming artists in this country, young artists that are doing fantastic work. They've only recently popped up, I would say, during COVID. It kind of motivated. So they were always there. But I think COVID has done something where you've you've realized that you need to make sure that you you remain relevant to your audience and you need to push yourself to write better lyrics to produce better songs to tell stories to from a visual point of view invest into good quality equipment or partner with people that that knows what they're doing Absolutely. I think that that forced um a lot of the the, the industry the the up and coming
0: artists in our country yes and I accidentally was. Uh, pretty impressed by how they carry the legacy of original Namibian music. During my during my research about Namibian music, I bumped across a very interesting exhibition which took place in 2016 or so, if I'm not mistaken, in Windhoek, and it was called uh, "Stolen Moments: uh, Namibian Music History Untold." And it was uh, hosted by Ivaleva House uh, and um, it was uh, describing an extremely controversial period of Namibian history of the times of apartheid from the 50s to 80s. But it told me so much about the influence of early jazz and ragtime and jive music on the Southwestern African music because. I absolutely had no idea that it could spread so wide out. And uh, it taught me so much about what actually Namibian sonic culture is. And I want to ask for your personal opinion about its place in modern advertising. Is there any place in Namibian modern advertising for such cultural references like that? Because we, we all know that even if we tend to retranslate the global advertising campaigns to different regions like we all know that if, if uh, for example a brand host uh, organizes a global advertising campaign you need to localize it somehow and sometimes you need to hire another creative group in order to to ensure that the localization is good and it works and it works great in a specific concrete region. How do you think is there a place for authentic Namibian culture in modern advertising?
2: The one thing that comes to mind is collaboration. And we've got really fantastic close relations with a lot of industry leaders in the Namibian music scene. We've also um, very recently, look, social influencing is such a new thing to this country. I cannot tell you, it's, <laughs> it's very yeah. new. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so we've we've now um, launched on Ogilvy's website as well. We've actually created a platform for social influencers, but a lot of them are musicians. Oh, yes. Where we are trying to help, you know, because they're also running a business and they're building their own brands. They are they are fantastic musicians, but they don't necessarily know how to make sure their brand is relevant. They've they've got cohesiveness that runs through from the moment. They launch an album, so they're
0: they're lacking they're lacking your expertise from your side.
2: Yeah, so we've now created a platform for them on our website where we are helping them to to just also grow their brand and their business, and um, that is great. But I think collaboration is a big thing for us, especially when we need to develop and find ways to tap into specific markets. To sit down with a specific artist from a specific region or that speaks to the age. Of, of that audience. They are very open to collaborating. So that's something that we've now pushed from our side is to collaborate with local artists, to to find out what can work for our audiences. And um, we've actually have a song that we developed for one of our campaigns. It's for a bread company. It's called Buck Pro. It's long life bread. So when a client comes to you and says, we need to now, we need to push sales or introduce Bread to to Namibians and and long life bread was never something that Namibians liked. We liked original farm bread, but now we need to propose a, a bread that's gonna sit on your shelf yep. for a few days and nothing's gonna happen to it. it just it just sounds fishy, right? Suspicious. Right. Africans can be very suspicious <laughs> when it comes to things. How how is it possible that a bread can stay fresh for so long? I'm also suspicious. <laughs> <laughs> so we then partnered with uh, an artist called KP Ellis. He is a really fantastic guy, you know, dynamic. Yeah, I've worked very closely with him. He won 12, 13 years ago, he won a Sprite competition that we where we where we searched for for, for rappers and artists. What kind of music is he performing? He's more of a hip hop hip hop artist. But he but he incorporates again, he uses you know, African beats and drums and things into his, into his music. I think otherwise people wouldn't, you know, receive his music so well. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we partnered with KP and he wrote us a song for, for Buckrow when we launched the bread. And I promise you, my kids, if they heard that jingle over the radio, they would go crazy. They would immediately, you know, it's still doing that old school way of, of promoting specific things, but it worked. Wow. With the little population that we have, we don't, we get excited when our video has like 10,000 views, then we get very excited. So this specific TV ad on YouTube has 1.4 million views. That's impressive. And it was mostly organic. We didn't push it or anything. So it just shows you, and I, and Blasius and myself, Blasius is our, um, he's in our research team he said he thinks it's because of the sounds and the clicks and the nuances that were used in that TV advert that made such a big difference with the viewership.
1: So because the the base of this music could make the
2: connection to the audience. Yes, definitely. In our experience, we've, we've also learned the importance of incorporating, like again, local cultural references into our advertising sound because this includes not only using traditional instruments, Um, and music, but also incorporating nuances of local languages and dialects, which again makes a big difference because it involves using sound and music to create memorable and recognizable brand identities.
0: So one of the last things I would like to ask you today, what is your picture of sound that works in terms of advertising, I mean, in terms of a commercial project? How do you recognize a sound that would potentially work?
2: Um, I think a big thing for for us telling stories, right? In Africa, it's so part of our culture. For us, it's sitting around a fire in the bush, um, you know, spending time with family and community. We always joke. I always joke with my children when we when we go camping or we're on the farm. And they're upset because there's no TV. There's always a radio. We call a, a fire the TV, the bush TV. Oh, <laughs> because you just sit and you watch the fire, and you know what, what the, the sound that a fire makes. It makes these pop sounds of the wood yep. <laughs> popping, right? And for me, I think in in Namibia or in Africa, if we if there's specific things that are so memorable to us growing up. S- small little things that that makes you feel warm inside right it's great because it tells a story if there's small little things that's going to come up in in audio or things then that's going to make you kind of fall in love all over again with the with a brand if there's little things that that you can hear in sounds uh, that you can remember as a child and it, and if you can feel it, it touches your soul. It it reminds you of of memories and and get-togethers. And we are very social people, N- Namibians and Africans. We are very social. We love to socialize. We love to to be outside to spend time together. That's why I think we love the the, the warm temperatures because if it's cold, we can't go out. We have to stay inside. Yeah. You're staying...
0: It, when it's cold outside, you're staying closed. Yes.
2: It goes completely against... We want to be outside, warm weather, you know, fires, eat, drink, dance, drums, music. It's just... Maybe insane. you could even get a chance to,
1: to listen to some musicians you've liked. Yeah. It's it's amazing.
0: I've watched some street drumming sessions in Winhook. Oh, uh, I was... I was impressed by it, by how it reflects your open mindedness and open heartedness.
2: You must just come and visit us. You can you can come and visit us. Yeah, abso-
0: absolutely. Because I, I was thinking more and more about how I, how I would like would like to visit Wing Hook eventually because it's it, it seems incredibly romantic and the atmosphere it feels so narratively because what you just said about the vital role of telling stories in your country and it seems like a whole. Emotional landscape, more than just a uh, sonic culture, more than just habits. It forms an unrepeated emotional landscape. And it's almost undescribable. And it's almost undescribable, but it's formed of such a huge amount of tiny pearls, like some specific moments of your history, of your cultural background, but it forms something untouchable and something, something immaterial. And it makes me think that there are so many stories that are still untold and are waiting for the hour to be finally told. It's
2: exactly what you said. It's almost undescribable. You cannot describe it. You have to experience it. I promise you. And if you guys, you can buy any, you can come and visit us. We, people will, will introduce you to all of them. We will take you to all these places. And um, yeah, I think that's one thing about um Africa in general is just welcoming, and you know, for it's it's a huge compliment if people from from Europe or from the Western world visits because it's they it, it we see it as you know we want to show off and we treat um, you know guests with you know a lot of respect and we wanted to tell the story. So I think you will just have a
0: fantastic time. I feel such sincerity. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I hope eventually one day, yeah. My last question for today, what are the source of your insights as an agency and maybe your personal insights?
2: Okay, well, the source, so we have an innova- innovations department that we've recently launched at the advertising agency. It's head by um, Mariko van Loo. She's our head. And then we have Brittany uh, Berger, who's our digital manager, and Daisy that you've already met, De Silva, our social media uh, manager. And then we have Blasius, Avula. Avula um, actually means rain. in in Oshibambu. And when he came for his interview, um, Annie, the the founder of Ogilvina Mobia said, you're going to be our rainmaker. So you're going to make the agency a lot of money. And then he said, well, funny enough, my surname is Avula, which means rain in Oshibambu. So she completely believed that it's the universe that brought Blasius (laughs) to our doorstep so Blasius is is our rainmaker, but ultimately what he does is he sits and finds and researches and gets insights. So we do rely on a few um, software programs and tools um, where we do um, you know web listening, social listening, where we try and find what clients and customers say about our brands and our industry, and that's where we 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 take a lot of data. We do a lot of data mining using those specific. Tools and Blasius is you know in charge of that, but then the innovations team in general they are the guys that make sure we stay you know innovative. They inspire us, so we try and do sessions with different um, suppliers, similar to what we are doing, to try and you know keep the team motivated to tap into new things. So that's what we've really been focusing on for the last I would say for the last six years to stay inspired and to to be motivated.
0: The very last thing I would like to ask you today, what's your latest inspiration?
2: My latest inspiration? Um, I would say... Um, it could um, be anything, like, yeah. Anything. You know what? I think one thing that we've recently had a, a team, team building with a quite a well-known motivational speaker. Um, she, we booked out for the team, right? And um, she'd made such a difference because it was a, quite a difficult year economically. I would say the first six months, business w- was definitely a bit slow, slower than last year. But she was just saying that we tend to be more negative than positive, right? So if you get up from, when you, when you close your eyes and you know that your alarm needs to go off, but you're already thinking, oh, I'm not in the mood for getting out of bed, right? You are telling your brain. So that's once. Then you get up and you you say it to your partner, oh, and you, you know, I'm not in the mood to go to the office, right? That's the second, but now you've verbalized it and now you hear it again. So that's three times. So your brain memorizes a negative thought three times. So by the end of the day, you have told yourself so many times that you are not in the mood. So the chances are good that you're not gonna be productive you're not gonna do well, you're not gonna be efficient, and we are our own worst enemies, right? So that's kind of changed my my life in a bit where I've now forced myself and I've kind of we've been doing it with a team as well. Before you get to those negative thoughts, right? Just tell yourself, I can do this. If I can't do it, then I'll find the, the right person to help you do this, to just change our mindsets. Since she's told me this, I've preached it to my children. So every time I say something negative, they will remind me, "Uh uh-uh, mama. You said we you shouldn't think like that. So so we remind each other. But I think since I've been giving that and forcing myself to go more to the light side of life and force myself to think differently about things. I don't know. It feels like business is in the last month. Maybe it's only my head, but things are slightly Changing. So, the you know, in the last two weeks, we've actually seen a change in business. And I think maybe it's, it's she's definitely, her name is um, Lynette Beard. She's definitely, you know, she came at the perfect time to, to, to speak to the team. So, just that small little mindset of choosing huh? to think light instead of
0: dark. Positive thinking and the power of repetition.
2: Yes, positive thinking. It's gonna force your body to change your your past. Like in music.
1: I just wanted to sum up that uh, it was a great discussion. So thank you so much, Roseanne. It was a great pleasure to
2: hear that. Oh, thank you so much for having
0: me again. Like. Rosa, my my great honor, my sincere thanks to you for hosting such incredible time. Thank
2: you so much. Thank
0: you so much. Um,
2: It was really lovely. Bye. Bye. Bye
0: Bye-bye, thank you so much, bye.